Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Paul McTavish, and I'm glad you found us for our very first episode. On Let's Learn Something, our purpose is simple. We try to look at areas of practice that affect Prairie Spirit teachers and get into the nuances of what teachers do. Our hope is that in exploring these topics through dialogue, we'll get to a deeper understanding. I'm glad you're along for the ride. With that in mind, let's dive in. In recent years, there has been increasing interest in the idea of student voice throughout Canada and beyond. Proponents of the idea point to the research that supports improved student learning as an outcome of authentic student voice initiatives. To this end, in Prairie Spirit School Division, our current strategic plan aspires to create environments where engagement and a sense of belonging are nurtured and promoted, resulting in learners that are active and contributing members of the school and community. Indeed, the principles of student voice lend themselves to creating classrooms where learners can acquire, discover, take risks, and apply their learning, a goal in PSSD. While the benefits of student voice are understood, there are difficulties that educators must navigate in order to be successful. And so, in this episode, we start a series looking at student voice, the promise it holds, where it might take us, and what we can consider to help us be successful. Today's guest likely needs little introduction. We are fortunate to have Director of Education for Prairie Spirit School Division, Mrs. Lori Jeske, on the show with us today. Lori has vast experience in K-12 education, filling a number of roles throughout her career. Our conversation explores a number of facets of student voice, and I was thrilled to get the opportunity to speak with her. Without further ado, let's learn something about student voice with Lori Jeske. Super excited to have Lori Jeske, Director of Education for Prairie Spirit School Division, here on our podcast. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about student voice today. So, Lori, thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thank awesome. you. So, I know you've listened to all our podcasts before, and you know how the structure works, but we always start with the obvious question. And the obvious question for this is, what is student voice? So, if I ask that question, what would you say? Wow, I love, I love starting with an obvious question. Um, you make me think of Captain Obvious when you do that, so that's fun for me. Um, what is student voice? It's the opportunity for us to not only hear, um, because I think student voice comes to us from things they do and create, et cetera. So it's an opportunity for students to become partners in the learning, and their voice is their agency, their autonomy, and being involved. So that's a short, first, obvious answer. Yeah, no, I like that. Why is it important? Like, I, I know that it's been a priority for the board and for Prairie mm-hmm. Spirit School Division last little bit. Why, where does that come from? Oh, great question. I wish we were on TV for a second because I would point to my Prairie Spirit classroom and at the bottom of the visual is where there's a picture of parents and student and staff visuals and they're underneath the engagement piece. And so they're, they are an important part. In fact, they are the reason we get to go to work every day. <laughs> and so they're an important part in the learning and so we need to hear from them and they need to be a, a, a partner in that. And so for us, um, the visual says that in order for people to be engaged in their own learning, they actually have to have a voice in it. And so when we think about student voice, I think about um, the opportunity for kids to become learners for life and we give them that opportunity when they actually have a say in what they're learning and in how they're learning it and how they're telling us what they know already. So giving us the evidence of what they're learning. Yeah, it sounds like I was doing a little bit of reading before mm. we chatted here and there's there's kind of like two parts to it. There's like the 
there's the logistic part where it's like it helps teaching and informs us mm-hmm. and that kind of jazz. We'll kind of delve, delve into that. But it sounds like you're coming at it more from a like uh, an aspirational part yep. where it's like we're trying to form you into like human beings yep. and stuff like that. Is that that's where we're starting yeah. from basically? And I my bias is going to come out here strongly, but I don't think you can ever separate the idea of what it means to be to assess which means sitting beside the learner, right? And so I can't ever take that out of what I talk about and think about. And so I think when we give students a chance to know where they're going, it's that idea of the targets holding really still, but they know what the target is and they know how to get there. So the criteria for what, these are the important things for you to get to that place. And they know um, what they're learning and they also know when they're kind of not learning or missing it. And then they have a way to actually say, I need this or I still don't get that, whatever that is. So they have a chance to be a part of that process. And I think when kids are learning things and then they're ready to share their learning, let's say with a the teacher, then the teacher can give them feedback. And so the feedback can come in lots of different ways. But when kids get a chance to know what they're learning, to kind of get into that and then get feedback on what they're learning to know sort of what's next or here's some ways I can improve, they actually become, I think that's a lifelong skill. That's a lear- that's what a learner is, and I hope my hope is for everybody to be a learner for life. So we give them those skills. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's I was reading the strategic plan and the, with the aspirational mm-hmm. goals. I don't know if you've read it; it's pretty good. Yeah, I think yeah. you probably like it. You know yeah. what? I will do that as soon as we're <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, mark that down. <laughs> uh, but there's I wrote down a couple of things there that I, I think mm. really connect to this. So there's that part about the Prairie Spirit learners feeling accepted, confident, yes. safe to engage in learning where individual diversity, ability, interests, backgrounds, cultures, and life experiences are welcomed and valued. And I think about how how would you ever show that if you didn't hear somebody mm. else speak or like speak from their perspective and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think that's pretty pretty foundational when we think about it's student voice, right? Yeah, it is. I also wonder too about, well, when we were at, when I was at Martinsville High, we spent a bunch of time uh, talking about self-determination theory. Mm. Um, about the idea of autonomy, competence, and relatedness, which Daniel Pink talks in his book Drive about, like, autonomy, yes. mastery, purpose. And I just think about how it really makes a strong case for, like, those are not just things that are going to help you be productive, but, like, self-fulfilled, that feeling like you you belong in the world, that you have yes. a sense of belonging and value and stuff like that. And if it works for us, it works for kids too, right? Mm-hmm. So I, gu- I guess with that in mind, then, what are the things that teachers can do to make that a reality? Oh, wow. You want that in like 30 sentences or less, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. within the next hour. Keep it in within yeah. that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, first of all, I think like, wow, teachers have this incredible opportunity to have a group of learners in front of them and with them and beside them and all of those places. And I think what my Prairie Spirit classroom does is it sets up that three-wall classroom and leaves that fourth wall kind of open. And we can say all day long, we need student voice, and we think that means talking. Um, but if students don't feel safe to talk, or if their classroom is set up in such a way that the teachers write all the time, and you need to just raise your hand when you speak, otherwise don't talk. You know, all, all those yeah. kind of things. And some of those kind of go back to what old school used to be and so we, we've learned a lot of things um, over time which is kind of cool because yeah. yeah, we're in that nice. business right yeah <laughs> yeah and so I think wh- I think there's a huge part for us to think about in terms of how do we set up the environment for students to actually feel that they are welcome that they are a part of the classroom and that their voice does matter so that then needs to sit through everything that's happening in the room so that's where we get the ideas of choice 
in how we share what we know and that kind of thing. I go back to an article, I've shared this a thousand times with new teachers, and it's about raising your hand and having to raise your hand. And so the teacher is the holder of the knowledge and they say, and now who knows what my favorite color is? And a whole bunch of hands go up. And you can usually pick out after five minutes which hands are gonna go up for the next question because it's the same ones. And there's a few people in those hands up who are putting their hand up, but they don't actually want to be called on, but they just want to show that they're playing the game, right? right? But for the most part, there's also a whole bunch of hands that never go up. And so when we ask, when we are the holder of the knowledge, and we ask, and we choose who gets to respond, and, and more often than not, there's even a study of we go to this side of the room at the front, and it's going to be these three kids, because they're going to say the right answer, and then I don't have to go any, into any more detail, and we can move on with things. I love the idea of when we ask kids to think about what what they've just been talking about or reading about or hearing about and they they get a chance to turn and talk, then we're honoring the fact that each person in the room has an idea. And then, but we set them up for success, right? It's not about put your hand up, you have to have the right answer. And And I wonder about that and I guess I think about that when we ask kids at the end of the day, well, what did you learn today? The answer is always nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And and so what questions did you ask today is a whole different thing. Uh, we still might get, I didn't ask any questions. We might get that. But we do give kids a little bit more of an opportunity at that point to go, well, I can't ask any questions in my class because we're not allowed to talk. Or yeah. Right? And so how do we set up the room as you've just described that, that prairie spirit learner who actually can ask questions because they know the room is a safe place to do that in. And they also know the teachers set it up in such a way that they actually want to hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And then that's huge. You bring up a couple points that I think are really interesting. That idea that like in some of our more traditional classrooms, before, again, I, like before even I would have grown up, uh, but it's like the, the teacher is the holder of knowledge and the students are the passive recipients, right? And so like the, even the <laughs> question like, what did you learn today is basically like something was transmitted to right. you, right? Whereas if you say, what questions did you ask? There's more <laughs> like embedded within that is like, oh, you had some agency in this, right? Exactly. You got to talk. And I was doing a little bit of reading and um, there's a couple of quotes I want to share with you. I just want yeah. to get your reaction about the idea of dialogue. Huh. And so Hattie's work is you're very mm. well versed and I'm sure he talks about like, um, like sense making is like dialogic, right? It's like, I'm only going to be able to understand something if I'm largely involved in a conversation. And I remember when I was doing my master's, there was uh, Danielson, the author uh, had written about the idea that it's like reflection is a process that is best done through like social mm. communication, right? It's, it's tough. You can do it yourself, but it'll, it's not efficient and it <laughs> takes way longer. But there was this one quote I came across from this Carolyn Lodge that uh, says, dialogue is more than conversation. It is the building of a shared narrative in which dialogue is about engagement with others uh, through talk to uh, arrive at a point where no one could get to alone. Mm. And I really like that idea that it's like we can transmit knowledge and kids may or may not get it, but it's a limited model. We're never going to get to a point where we could get to if everybody got to like chat. I'm just wondering what your thoughts yeah, on if you think that holds water. Yeah, I think it I think it holds a lot of water and it, it it's like that's a one way thing. I yeah. I tell you what you should know, write write it down in your book and then I'm gonna ask you in a couple of weeks to regurgitate that back, right? right. So that yeah, that's huge. Uh, <laughs> it makes me think about um 
just that that idea of in my prairie spirit classroom we built that off of some statements right and i i remember um being in our first principals meeting and principals were at for, of the year first of the year and they were saying so we've been talking about the environment like what does this look like give us something and so i remember going away and and in in a room just across the hall from here actually and we got these like five big sheets of paper and there was four of us in the room it was like what are we going to give them? <laughs> like, and so it was really fun, right, and, and messy and, and everything. But the first statement we came up with, and we fought about this and challenged each other, and it was awesome, but the idea of the 80-20, right? Yeah. And we talked about 20% of the time it's teacher talk, 80% of the time it's, it's, whole, it's not teacher talk, it's whole group. And within that could be one student talking, two students talking, groups of students. It could be all of those two pieces. And I remember uh, when we first shared that with our principal group, that wasn't really popular, and especially because we had it first. And and it right. wasn't, I don't think that people were against it. And I remember uh, Greg T. Bay and his staff wrote all of the statements in the negative. It's important that the teacher talks most of the time and the kids are quiet. Well, it, most people are going like, that doesn't make yeah. sense. So what you've made me think about is is that piece. And so when we give kids chance to wrestle with, with ideas and questions and come up with their own ideas and questions, they are now engaged in the learning together. And they can do that um, with a peer, with a whole bunch of kids, with, the, with in the whole group, depending how the teacher sets it up. But it's that opportunity, I think, for kids to actually start to build their own meaning, right? That's the big part. I remember, oh, this is a long, long time ago, um, but talking about Dean Broughton, and he was sharing how in his physics class, um, when they had a question in the class and a kid would ask something, he would go and stand behind the kid so that they didn't just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but the question actually went to the whole room. And he had set up his room in such a way that the kids would talk to each other in that way. And I thought how powerful that was. And it was changing a paradigm for kids where the teacher stands at the front and disperses all the knowledge. So that's what you made me think about is, is we have an opportunity to open up a classroom for everyone to be a part of sharing the knowledge, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. An experience similar to that, there was just a really unique group of kids when I first started, like when I was in Purdue and I was teaching Biology 20. And there was many outcomes to get through, which are obviously important. But uh, one of the assignments they had was to pick a topic that related to the environment and like do a five minute presentation and we'd ask questions. And it was just there, there was a group in there. Uh, I love them to death. Hmm. There was eight girls and one boy. And those girls really like to talk. And so whatever the thing, whatever the topic that was, it was presented, they would just like, here's, here's a question, here's a question, here's a question. And it became this whole group like discussion. And I understood the topic much better just from having to like engage with, like to mm -hmm. clarify, well, what are you saying here? I don't quite right. understand that. Or to be like, that's an excellent point. Like what would be the other side of that? Or what, if we did that and we walked down that path, where would that get us to? What would issues would that create? And those five minute presentations were always a Friday, but they became the whole hour. And it was yeah. just like, it was so fun to go to, to go to school and do that. And then I tried to do it when I got to another school, uh, just more kids, they didn't know each other as well, and mm. it just fell flat, right? And so that's what I, I, I'm just wondering about your thoughts on, mm. there is some work that has to get put into like creating culture and yeah. in a classroom and in a school, and there are some bumps for sure that I think that are gonna be there. Um, but on the other side of that, there's some really good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
uh, I don't know. What do you, what uh, are your thoughts on like that path that we have to walk to get there? Yeah. Well, is it that, that uh, my head goes right away to when we brought up the, my prayer spirit classroom statements and we said, this is a career. Please yeah. don't have this done by next week, Thursday, right? Like it's, it's a career. And so the pathway of learning is so never straight. And I think that's why most of us love being in education in yeah. a way. We get, we get inspired by that, right? So I, I do think it's it, what you described earlier is the shift that has to happen first, where the, the teacher, the adult, so to speak, has to make the shift from the dispenser of knowledge to the facilitator. And when you described even what your role was with that group of kids, right, it, it's that shift and then the mindset shift of that. And along with that come all those pieces, right? Do I need to show them the target up front, or is that cheating? Do I tell them what the criteria is, or is that cheating? And yet, when you think about um, our role as educators, it's actually engaging our kids in learning. And so we want them to be learners, and we, we don't want them to be memorizers of knowledge right. that they forget two weeks later. Yeah, and that's so, not the highest purpose. Right? right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think about that, and then I think about, so as a classroom teacher, and I'm going, okay, so now I'm supposed to change the the way the desks are in the room, and now you want me to what? I'm supposed to let them ask the questions instead of me, but I worked out all these great questions, and I did Bloom's taxonomy, and I've got them all right. So what can you take from the work you did and start small? I, I just think that's the way you change practice. And sometimes um, teachers can slowly build a change in, and sometimes you, like you run into a wall, and it hits you. I'm doing all the talking. Yeah. How can I possibly? I, I've, I'm going to try to remember a quote here. Pat Wolf. And I remember that for no reason at all. But the person that's doing the work of learning is growing the dendrites in your brain, right? And so if you, the teacher, have done all the work the night before and you did all these pieces and then you just disperse that to the kids, they didn't do any of the work and they're not doing any of the learning. And so do I think as we describe a classroom where kids get to be safe and make, take risks and do all those pieces, we have to describe that same thing for our adults. And and before, before kids are getting engaged, we have to engage our adults. You're making me think of, it was an alt meeting, and Karen Campbell said mm -hmm. it, and I don't remember who the author was, but she was referencing somebody. And it was basically the idea that it's like, never say a thing that a student could say. Like, let them say it, right? Like, yes. don't, like, there's times, you just let the kid talk, and maybe you have to paraphrase to kind of bring it back or, yeah. like, shape it yeah. for them. But it's like, just be quiet and let them do the talking, because then that means they're doing the thinking, right? Yeah. And I struggle with that because I really like I'm really smart. I like to like. Really I know really you smart, are, so. <laughs> which is not true at all. But it's Ooh. like we do all this work to like create these lessons, and we've got these outcomes we yeah. need to get through. And th I think that's where the tension lies. I don't think that I think many of our educators, I think all of our educators, are very driven to want what's best for their yeah, kiddos. Absolutely. But it's like they want them to go to university. They want them to like do mm -hmm. well in these outcomes and. There is some worry, I think, that if we spend too much time dialogue, maybe that it's mm. like, well, we're not going to get through the stuff that's going to block them from getting where we want them to go, right? And I just wonder about your thoughts on, mm. like, what is our end goal or how would we know that we were successful? Or maybe this is a question about, like, time frames, like what's our short-term mm. goals, what's our long-term goals mm. and stuff like that. Uh, you make me think of two things. I think about... Um, Often people say they don't have time to do some of the things that are needed to either set up what a classroom environment's going to be like or what the criteria, you know, co-creating criteria with students around what counts, what matters, and solving a math problem or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they think, I don't have enough time because i got to get through all this stuff. And so 
I do wonder about taking the time to do those things because later on in the course, when your students know what counts and matters in solving a math problem, they're going to be good problem solvers in the end, right? So I, I wonder about some of those pieces that we kind of kind of bump up against. Then I think longer term, um, aspirational goal, so to speak. And when you think about uh, the goals on our strategic plan, you think about us wanting to have um, readers who read for pleasure, mm -hmm. right? So what's, what's the evidence you're going to have in your class? And so um, at the end of the term, when you have the kid who says, yeah, I didn't read anything and I got a 95, right? Because I can, I can do a good test. Yeah. And that's the only way I'm getting assessed. So I think about the opportunities that teachers set up. So our aspirational goal, if I circled way back around again to something I said earlier, is we give our students the skills to be successful as learners in life. And when we do that, that that's transcends everything. It's not, I taught every kid in my class to do a good buyer report. I hope that lasts two weeks after it's over, yeah. right? And, and it probably will for the kids who are, re are really going in that direction. But if we instead taught kids to think like scientists, yeah. to ask questions, to wonder about things, and to be okay going for weeks down a path and, re and realizing at the end, we totally missed something way back at the beginning and it's never gonna work. We gotta start over. And to be like, okay, we're gonna start over and be okay with that, I, that's the goal, that's the dream. Yeah. yeah. You're just, I don't know why this twig for me, you're just making me think though, like the things, the things that I get fired up about and the things you get fired up about are like what's happening in a classroom, what's happening in a school around learning and the kids, uh, yeah. their concerns around that. Having lived through some um, our school surveys, there are concerns that have nothing to do with it. There's like the toilet paper is not yeah. adequate or <laughs> we want to, we want a fountain that spills Coke or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. their yeah. concern is type stuff. And I guess <laughs> I, I guess it's just like how do we address stuff like that, or how do we how do we engage in stuff that is authentic, or how do we make structures that work so that we capture student mm. voice that that can move us forward? And and I don't want to trivialize because if a kid says like I'm concerned about like the bathrooms are dirty, or I'm concerned about yeah. like my locker is too far from my classroom, where it's just like simple logistics stuff like that obviously matters too so for sure I wonder about how we go about collecting mm. that and honoring that I know that for our board and um, I know for us as a division that student voices is, is really important and I know we use our school to gather some data but we also worked with a group of students last year and we're hoping to set that up again to actually sit down with a group of students from different places in the division just to hear about like what is on your mind. And, and it's interesting, um, the first time we met with them, um, we didn't hear things like toilet paper and stuff. And I, do, I don't know, and like did they think they needed to come with certain answers? Because right. you, you do wonder about that, right? Yeah. Um, and, but, I, but as we went on, like big things came out. Mental health and well-being was huge for them. And, and to sit and hear a kid talk about that was amazing and heartbreaking at the same time. They carry so much care around for their fellow students, and that was huge. Uh, the other thing it makes me think about is a book that we read as a team that's called Education Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. Mm -hmm. And in that, um, the author talks about <laughs> these schools that have actually blown kind of everything up and allowed kids to come in and say, I really, wanna, I, I really want to make sure we have fresh water for people in our northern communities. 
Mm-hmm. And the school wraps around the idea, and, and kids are learning about how do you contact your MLA and how do you do all those pieces. And so it, it frees kids up to become very authentically engaged in a real-world problem that they want to figure out. And I, I fight against that. Uh, I rail against it sometimes when people say, well, this isn't the real world or, or they need to be ready for the real world. Mm-hmm. And our job, I think, as educators, is to give our kids the skills to be the learners, and they g- they gather their knowledge and exper- experience and expertise in, in how to be a learner and how to tackle problems that when they are in the adult world, and that's another part of the world, they're already in the real world when they're in grade two. Yeah. So who are they then, and how do we help them engage as a learner right then? And so that that piece for me is huge, I think, um, I wish I dream for the days when we can say to a group of kids in your biology class, what are the problems of the world that are bothering you? And if kids come and say, I don't really, I don't really know that much, so how do we help them then find out what they are? Um, a huge one that sits in my mind is, and I, it might be in a book that we've read, both read that Power of Moments piece, but um, it's about... Ebola, right? And they were they were figuring out how to deal with that, and people are going in with these suits. And this lady says, "I think if they had a picture of the doctor on the front, the patient would feel less anxious, right?" Yeah. And so somebody just did that, and they figured out all those connects. And, and you read about kids doing that all the time. We have kids. In fact, just read an article. The bill, the new billionaires right now are young teens who are creating video games and or apps because that's what they're passionate about. So. How do we create our learning places that happen to be called schools, places where kids can actually come and find their passions and go? And that's another whole paradigm shift away from teacher as giver of knowledge to facilitator to let's solve a problem for the world. Yeah. That's aspirational. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's. I'm just trying to think of the quote. You're twigging something for me. <laughs> there. I can't remember where this came from, but the idea that it's like, don't ask kids what they want to learn. Ask them what problems they want to solve. Like, and that's yep, that's what gets people fired one. up about, like where they want to go next. It all sounds great. <laughs> I just oh, what you're about going? Yeah, and I, dun, dun, dun. and I wonder why we don't why that isn't uh. easy. And I like I think about myself personally, like in the opportunities I've had to like work with students hmm. and even staffs. One of the hardest things I've found is to ask for like authentic feedback to ask like, how this is going. And it's always been like on the other side of it. So here's basically what happens. I'll be like, hey, what do you think about X, Y, Z? What do you think about what I've done here? What mm-hmm. do you think about? I've said I want to do this. What do you think? Yada, yada. And if they're being really like, I just want them to tell me that I'm wonderful. Uh, of course. But if they're being really honest, they'll find 12 or 40 things. It's like, maybe this could be better. And I get that feedback and I hate it. And it's the worst. And I go home and I talk to my wife, Claire, and I'm like, nobody likes me. This is the weird, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I yeah. sleep on it for a day. And then I go, actually, this is really useful. Like what this thing that this person said is super valuable. And I, I can act, I have agency and I can change that. That's right. right. But you have to go through this really uncomfortable part where it's like, oh, this this isn't going as well. And I know many people are not as afflicted as many. Mm-hmm. Many people are just like, hey, this rolls off my back. But I do think that there's some some courage mm-hmm. that needs to be you need to have or you need to like get yourself even pumped up because <laughs> to 
to engage in some of those conversations because some of it's not going to be super pleasant. Like they're like they're going to find some fault, right? Yeah. But the other thing I think is that people are much kinder than you think they're going to be. Like mm. there there is humanity. <laughs> people, That's a good thing. <laughs> right? Um and that's where I wonder about what are the mm. we've got structures to have dialogue in schools for staff. We've got staff meetings. Mm-hmm. We've got PD days, things like that. We have we have some structures for dialogue with parents. We've got SCCs. We've mm-hmm. got those opportunities. There's there's other schools that are even yeah. have more structures beside yeah. SCCs. There isn't as many structural components I would say for student voice mm-hmm. unless you're doing something unique at your school like there's SRC but that is largely like at students chatting with each other about what they want to do for the students right but like what what systematic things do we have in place to capture student voice or where that can live and I wonder if is if that isn't one of the issues that could be you have to come at it with the right philosophy, I guess, but that could be helpful. It's like w- there just needs to honestly be space and time that's yeah. devoted to this that is set yeah. aside for yeah. it, right? It's like it's like working out. Like I have dreams of working out. It never happens because I don't set the time aside, right? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with student voice, I wonder. Yeah, you're right. You're very right. So two years ago, a group of teachers from Prairie Spirit uh, came out to CAFLIN, the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network. Uh, there was a conference in BC, and at one of the priorities for Kathleen is to always have student voice represented. So um, if I just put that place pin in there for a second, mm-hmm. um, the year before the conference was in um, Fredericton and uh, the year before that in Saskatoon. And, and in the Saskatoon one, the student voice came from Prairie Spirit, which was, which was huge. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a teacher who is a learning facilitator, uh, Kelly White, and she brought a group of students and those students had been learning the same things that we were learning uh, with our alt, our principal's team. They mm-hmm. were learning mediative questioning. And uh, I was sitting in, in the room as a, um, just the presenter of the presenters, right, and welcome this person, yeah. whatever. All. And, and our Prairie Spirit students were asking mediative questions of presenters in the room, which it sort of knocked people off a little bit and like where are they getting these questions from? How do, how do they know how to frame them like that? Right. Uh, and, and it was powerful and they were not afraid. And at the end of the conference, they actually gave feedback. And so each year after that, we've had a student voice. And t- so two years ago in, in BC, we had, um, they actually have a student forum. Um, so they bring together students from all of their high schools and they meet uh, once every two weeks with the, their, it's a superintendent in their, in their districts, but like the director. Yeah. They meet with the director and superintendents of a school division. They also invite a board member to be part of, now you have to be invited to be at their table. They aren't invited to your table. So they have their oh. table, they do the inviting, and they meet and they talk about what, what's on their hearts and minds. And so that was what we brought back and going, we have to intentionally set this up to happen. Right. So that's what we were trying to do last year, and I, we, I could use the obvious and COVID. Yeah, but and there was a pandemic. There was yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> Who knew? But that, that was the goal, was to begin to have that conversation. And I know that there are a couple of divisions in our province that actually have, like there's one division that has student trustees, oh, part of their oh. board, which is yeah. so cool. And yep. then they get to speak to things from their vantage point, right? And they bring that piece. And if we are making decisions, I think, as a division, without considering the student voice, 
we're missing the whole picture. Yeah. They're they're it. So that's a goal for us as a division. I think I'm and I'm speaking systemly. So yeah. I think that's what you were asking me and, and I think there'd be lots of things that schools could do to gather voice, but I think as a system, we intentionally want to sit down and sit down with our students from our different schools and have them tell us, here's what's concerning us right now. Here's somewhere we could do a lot better than we're doing right now. We need to hear that, and it's not going to feel good. <laughs> yeah, but going back to my example yeah. about asking staff to, like, yeah. but the next step after that is then it's like, oh, but now I actually know what they're thinking, right? So selfishly, this helps me feel that it's like I am making better decisions or it's right. like I'm only as good as the information yes. that I have, yeah. right? So if I'm not, if we're not collecting that, it's like, how do you make really good decisions? So it's like, you're going to feel better that you actually know the state of how things are going. Yeah. And it's like, most times it's like, oh, there's something I can do exactly. to address this. And sometimes it's just like getting up and saying like, hey, you said this. I hear that. Yeah. This is important to me too. I'm going to work on it. Or, hey, you said this. Here's why this exists this way. This is this is outside our sphere right, of control. Right. I just want you to know I agree, but there's not one thing we can do about it. And most times, like people will go, oh, yeah, okay, I didn't know that, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, but they still feel heard. It's And it's that dialogue yeah. part too, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, it's if huge. we chat in this together. And it's about like, I think dialogue, the other part of it is like inherent in dialogue is the idea of respect, right? Yes. It's like I can one-way communication isn't necessarily disrespectful but it's not necessarily respectful either like it's not embedded whereas like dialogue we're i'm i say something i pause i listen Mm -hmm. i react to what you say like just experiencing that i don't have to tell you i respect you just like engaging in that dialogue is a huge sign i think that that's yeah that that there is respect there yeah yeah exactly the you you mentioned co-creating criteria Hmm. why is that a structure that um is useful for student voice well, I think anytime we want our kids to engage in things, and and this could be a seven-hour seminar that yeah. you and I could talk about, right? Um, but when we want our kids to engage in uh, the learning and that we're probably going to be assessing at the end of the time, they need to know actually what's important that they need to pay attention to. Um, it's funny because we think about this all the time even as a senior admin team, right? And so we've just recently co-constructed some criteria for what makes a successful team. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a chance to have your voice in and you see your idea actually written down, and some teachers even put kids' ideas down, they'll put their name beside it, and all of a sudden, like, I'm someone in this class and the teacher wrote my date. Like, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And we know that kids and adults can learn better when they actually feel a sense of confidence in what they're contributing, right? So I think that part, it also allows students to understand that there are lots of aspects to what, it, what they're learning about, right? And so when you think, of, if I go back to what counts and what matters in solving a math problem, right? So if you look at some examples as a class and then you pick out things that actually count and matter and you, you put them all out on paper, let's say, and then you put them into categories, now you're starting to think in your mind, oh, so there's, I have to pay attention to this and here are some of the things, but there's also this area over here that's maybe creativity, right? And so, well, I don't know, like, do I burn the edges with, I had, yeah. I had a student once who burned every assignment with tea leaves. <laughs> it was funny. Anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> but right, it's, the, it's that piece. And so when kids are engaged in actually doing all those pieces, what we hear time and time and time and time again, and I've had a chance to do this as well, you actually get way higher quality products in the end. Or if it's going to be a presentation of some kind, right? Like 
they know what, what you're actually looking for and they can work on those pieces and make sure that they're there. And then that, I think, opens up the door for kids to self-assess, but also to s assess with peers so that the teacher isn't always the one giving the feedback, right? It can, it can be somebody else because they actually know what the criteria is that we're measuring against. And I think we sometimes bump up against, if we give that to kids, they're going to give themselves an A. Well, they can't if they're missing five of the ten things, right? So mm -hmm. you can't. <laughs> so that makes it, I think that makes it easier. So I believe that when kids get a chance to actually be a part of that, they come to understand so much more about what, we're, what they're actually learning about and what's expected going forward. And I think that's huge. Yeah, that, well, that assessment as learning, right? It's like yes. a skill where you're building yeah. that, right? The other part you said, uh, just like using somebody's name. I think I, I saw there was a teacher in Kalonze, uh Jesslyn Brickner, who whenever somebody contributed, she just put their initials beside. And you can see their little chest oh, puff up when they yeah, saw it. It's like, totally. oh, I contributed to the board, right? Like, yeah, it was pretty neat to see. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I think, too, is that it's like there's way more buy-in when you can see your values reflected in something. Yes. It's like, oh, or it just and even like that that confidence or that self of efficacy when when your ideas are respected and valued and taken seriously and acted upon or addressed mm -hmm. even like that's mm -hmm. such a huge thing yeah. um, and we can do that through well dialogue again yeah Get back to that I yeah guess. you can come back to that all day <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> last question I guess then uh, well two more one is about um, those kiddos that we love, but oh man, do they not speak appropriately when given the chance to have student <laughs> voice. They are mad or ornery or whatever. Um, oh. Where do they fit within student voice? Because I've, I've been in those situations where it's like, I get the kernel of what you're trying to say, but you're not allowed to say it that way. Right, <laughs> to, right. To these other members of our school community and stuff like that. How, any <laughs> thoughts on how we address that? Oh, that's good. You're yeah. making me pull deep into my teacher <laughs> toolbox, right? I thought at first you were going to say I was one of those. Yeah, kids, well, but no, I, mean. I doubt it. But, <laughs> but I, yeah, I. That's such an interesting piece. Um, so someone that I I um, know and love very well and has worked lots with our system is Sandra Herbst, right? And I mm -hmm. I re remember sitting with her one time. And we're in a classroom, and the teacher said to us, uh, "Those five kids on the back there, I put them at the back because they don't—they don't like to engage very much, and they—they—they they, they sometimes burp things out and whatever else. I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll keep them back there." And her first response was, "Absolutely not. Mm. Please have them be where they normally are." And then the second part was, she made sure, and—and and you've seen her. I mean, she went to them first, yeah. and so sort of acknowledged them and gave them that chance um, because sometimes kids are sitting there quietly deciding whether or not they're going to be successful and so if they've decided they're not going to be then they're going to do everything they can to sabotage right yeah so if we give them that chance to be successful in a one-on-one a -on -one way I think is is one part and I think another part is um, that sometimes became the person who for Sandra again could you hand out these papers for me? Thank you, my f and she would say, my friend, my friend. Joe, right? <laughs> and so I'm gonna ask my friend Joe to hand these out right now, guys, and, and Joe, you, and then when he was done, of course, you're fabulous, right? Yeah. So so I can hear, um, I've been K to 12 teacher, all grades. Yeah. So I can hear the elementary teachers going, that, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I can hear the grade eight teachers going, uh, Jessica, you don't have a flipping <laughs> clue. But I've been a grade eight teacher, yeah. so I've been there too, right? And so. Yeah, so how do you engage those kids and do they be, who do they get to be, who do they get, how do they get to talk? So have you decided as, as a whole class 
we're not going to open this up right now for everyone to blurt out because I'm going to get some stuff I don't want. So right. right now you're writing stuff on a paper. Yeah. And then you, right, you, teachers are brilliant and they yeah. have 50,000 things in their toolbox. Uh, although, if it's a Friday at 2, like, yeah. then you want the class you described before where everyone's really engaged <laughs> in talking, right? And so, but yeah, you, you pick out those ways. And I, I guess I think um, th- my, my slant as a teacher is we want those kids to know that they can be successful in the classroom and we want their um, confidence to be preserved at all costs. And I think that again circles back to a prairie spirit learner who feels they, they matter, right? That's yeah. huge. That's that's huge. I totally agree. I also think the other, and it's not nearly as important. Like I think the idea of like giving those kids voice and like reengaging them is is probably the paramount thing. But there's another part to that too. I'm reading this book called uh, The Obstacles of the Way. It's it's pretty short, but it's generally um, it's these short little vignettes or whatever. Um, and it's it's based on like the wisdom of the Stoics, basically. Mm. But it's the idea that it's like the things that we that we come to in life that are difficult, that is the path. Like, and that gives us the chance to develop all those inherent skills that maybe we, we like grace and and leadership and dignity and stuff like that. And so like, those are the moments when you get to be graceful. Those are the Mm -hmm. moments when you get to be forgiving. Those are the moments you get to be understanding. And those are the moments you get to demonstrate those to your kids too. There's an example. It was probably my first or second year teaching in Purdue. And we were, uh, it was grade, um, 11, 12 phys ed class and we were doing some variation of a dodgeball survivor mm. type game and I had been like okay we're done and this one kid uh, kicked a ball and it hit me right in the jaw mm. <laughs> and like it hurt a lot mm. <laughs> and but I d- I don't know how but I didn't lose my mind it was just like hey mm-hmm. that like we don't want to do that and I my head hurt a lot but I was like oh. okay I just managed to deal with it and then we moved on but there there was one of the girls in the class who like three days later said how did you not lose your mind uh-huh. on so and so and I was just uh-huh. like well I didn't think that would be helpful kind of thing she's like oh, I would have killed him kind of thing but yeah. then but then there was that like recognition that it's like yeah that's kind of how we want to deal with people like that's kind of how we want to right. <laughs> interact yeah. in the yeah. world and I do think that there are times when I I've I've handled that situation way worse too, where I have I have been mad about something or not been my best. But when we can kind of um, rise to the occasion and be the kind of person we want or be the teacher the kind of teacher we want, I do think that that models it for kids, and I and no. I think that that's appreciated. And sometimes I think we worry that we're going to be embarrassed, but I do think if we handle it appropriately, there's lots of other little eyes that go, oh, that was yeah, yeah that was really good the way that they yeah. really dealt with that. So. My last question then is just basically what's what's a first step? Like I know everybody's going to be at different yeah. spots, but like what's where do we go as a division? And if I'm a classroom teacher or yeah, a, you mean a first step in in gathering or opening up opportunities for student voice? Yeah, like what? So there's going to be some there's going to be some disposition kind of prerequisites, right? Like I yeah. kind of have to value. Uh, I think like this is going to be better because right. of it, and, and maybe I'm, there's an awareness that it's like it's going to be difficult, but yeah, I can do this. Um, but what are like if I'm if I'm a classroom teacher, let's say, or if I'm an EA working with some kids, or if I'm a in school administrator leading mm. a staff, what are some things that I might think about, mm. or what are some things that I might take as a first step to to move my f- move wherever I am forward in value wow. student voice? That's huge. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Wow, my head goes to this year's theme. I'm learning everywhere together. And I guess if you have the stance as a learner, then there are all the qualities that come with that, right? Um, curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think if you look at your learners in your classroom in that way, in that stance of they're curious and they want to know things and how, how I get to help them, like how cool is this, mm -hmm. right? So there's that, that stance piece. I think the everywhere piece plays into that a little bit too, right? It's like, as you said, and I, uh, what it twigged for me was a phrase that comes out of my mouth every once in a while, but you cannot not model. Mm -hmm. And so when they see you coming out of the staff room and you're saying your last sentence to your colleague as you come out, I hope that that's something you want the kids in the hall to hear. And then how might they take what they heard you just say into the rest of their day, you know, they, they would they would know based on what you said, sort of how that conversation was going, right? I, and I'm just playing that out a bit, but yeah. that piece. And so what happens in the gym when something happens? How did the teacher react? Because that's, even for grade 12s, that's important. Yeah. And maybe even especially. And so that, that modeling piece and the learning that happens doesn't matter where you are on the bus, uh, you know, wherever, that, that's happening. And then the together part, I think, takes away that opportunity for you to, like, we're in the room together, but in order for us to learn together, we actually have to be side by side. Now we're in the middle of yeah. COVID. <laughs> and yet, just yesterday, uh, there were some tweets from a school where, that said, we're learning everywhere together side by side and and you could see that they'd set it up in such a way that that was happening so unless i get down on the floor beside a kindergarten student and we talk about this whole structure that they've just made with their friends and give them a chance to tell me about that i won't know the thinking behind it and i might write down on my checklist can't build the tower but when they tell me about there was a wizard and three dragons attacked and this and this so my like this happened like all of a sudden you have the thinking behind what happened right and I think that's no different than sitting down beside someone in grade 10 and asking them about to tell you about what it is that they're working on right now what it is they're reading and why is this important to you that kind of thing I think that's that's the beauty that we get to do so if you can approach everything from the actual standpoint that these are learners in front of you instead of I have to get these kids through this course and these outcomes by this date that changes everything mm. yeah totally yeah your 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 point about questioning uh there was a there's a quote I like from this guy by the name of Neil Postman and he's basically uh, the one I always think about is uh I actually wrote it down here somewhere I can't remember where it is but it's the the idea what is the the solution that we have? What is the problem that it is fixing, right? right. It's like, so what is the yes. thing? So like when we think about student voice, it's like, well, we want kids to like learn at a deeper level like that. This will get us there, right? Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that you talked about that I just found while I was uh, looking for it was uh, the idea of questioning and it being like the only true tool mm -hmm. we have to learn, to move learning forward. And I think maybe that's the thing I'm taking away is from what you just said is that like one of the first things we can do is like suspend judgment and ask questions and engage in dialogue yeah. and that's probably a great first step in, yeah like with just to be a human yeah <laughs> but well, especially for student voice <laughs> when you think about all the different things we've just been talking about that human piece is huge yeah and we have to remember that every day like right that's that's huge yeah and curiosity just helps us 
build all those relationships that are so important yeah. right like that's everything totally yeah awesome anything else you want hey. to add 17 more things but <laughs> we can talk again i think that would that would be awesome that sounds great yeah thank you so much for this Lori. i thank appreciate it thank you it was my pleasure awesome thanks paul well that's our show for today i again want to thank Lori for taking the time to have this conversation i know it pushed my thinking a lot and i hope it was helpful for you in our next episodes, we look at student boys through the lens of classroom teachers ranging from pre-K to high school. I hope you'll join us next time for that conversation. In the meantime, if you have topics you'd like to see explored on the show, please send an email to paul.mctavish at spiritsd.ca to share your ideas. Until next time, stay safe and all the best.